Here's what's coming up on this week's show. So you've got, you know, you've got a winky, you're not coming in. We don't do that, but we do focus on our... our it's been a long while since I've heard that word. <laughs> the Beat. Welcome to the Big Little Business Show, the podcast that helps small business think big. Hey, hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Big Little Business Show. It's Paul Mumford over here, the lovely Claire Horsley over there. Before we go any further, whatever you're listening to us on, whatever platform you're using to listen to us, don't forget to hit follow or subscribe, whatever it prefers, so you don't miss out on future episodes. And that helps to big us up in podcast land, as does leaving us a review too. So if you could spare a little time to do just to tell us tell the world how fab we are mm-hmm. then that would be fantastic too and we'd love you for forever ish <laughs> so anyway uh, that brings us on to this week's episode and our first kind of return guest in our second episode with Dan Magina. Yes, Dan has joined us again. Uh, last week, Dan joined us to talk about how we can work smarter rather than harder. So Dan is joining us again this week and he is going to be talking about the importance of whether you need a niche. Dan has been helping business owners find alignment with their dream life of abundance, joy and purpose. And I'm looking forward to speaking with Dan again. Have you got a dog barking in the background? Yes, it's, a, it's out the front garden. It's not even my dog. <laughs> my God, that's so loud. It's my next door neighbour's Labrador. He's really loud. Anyway, yes, looking forward to this one. Uh, is having a niche important? Let's find out Dan's take on niching or niching. <laughs> it's niching. <laughs> yeah, definitely niching. This is the Big Little Business Show. Here we go. Uh, let's start off with a basic, simple question then. What does a niche actually mean? Niche is a form of quiche that's got... Um, <laughs> <laughs> niche Lorraine. No, a niche, I think it's just... Niche Lorraine, like it. <laughs> just drilling down to a particular group of people or group or, or pocket of, of business where you're going to offer your services and products. Cool. So why is it so important to have one? Or is it? Or is it important to have one? I can tell you, people that I've coached around business or worked with around business, so many of them have been so caught up with looking for their niche that they've actually not even ended up doing anything at all. So I feel personally that it's more important to have at least a general direction of who you want to serve and go and serve them and maybe dial it in over time rather than stopping and not doing anything because you're waiting for your magical niche to be found. Mm, good answer. So do, do you think, so following on from that, that some people are so fearful of, of having a niche? Mm-hmm. You know, what, why do you think that is, if, if they are fearful? Why do you think people feel so frightened about well, it? People I've spoken to are scared. I mean, for me, when I first started looking at the whole niche, so just so you know, I don't actually have a specific niche and we do really well with this without having a specific niche. I've got groups of people and some sort of rough idea of the kind of people that we are best set up to serve, but I don't have a specific targeted niche. And that gets us into trouble when people want to do marketing for us. I mean, we've been organic for, for the whole time. We're only sort of moving into ads and stuff now, but as we're doing that, we're not really able to be as targeted with our marketing because we don't have a niche. So a niche is powerful in that respect, but one of the resist the initial, you know, kind of resistances that I had to this was, well, I can help everybody. Why should I just limit my services to serving just one group of people? When actually the power behind having a niche is that you can go deep into one segment and actually spread out from there. I was speaking to a person who I'm working with them on a particular really cool technology project at the moment, probably going to invest, but at the moment just sort of in in an advisory role. 
and they were speaking about the uh, the, the the mindfulness app Calm. And Calm has ended up being a two point two billion dollar business leader in the market because they focused on just one type of person and one type of problem first. But going deep there allowed them to get the foothold in the market that's allowed them to go out and serve other people. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's good. So starting with a niche and then broadening it afterwards. Yeah, I can see how that might work. Exactly. Um, and do you think it's an industry-specific um, thing, Dan? Do you think some industries sort of lean towards a niche more than others? I think everybody has the potential to go and find a small pocket of people. But I really think it comes down to um, your relationship with the idea of just going deep with one. I think some people may find that their challenges with even having commitment issues to one small group of person or one person may find it translated into business too. But there are benefits to it. But if you're stuck with finding it, my encouragement is don't stop, you know, all business activity because you haven't found your magical niche. Find a way to start serving people. And maybe that will help you identify who your niche really is, which is what we're finding now. We're finding it's women around a particular age group that are into mindfulness and personal development they're the ones that we seem to have the best success in serving it doesn't mean that we don't serve men of other age groups who aren't necessarily into those things but we're finding that we have a lot more efficacy serving those people at the higher level so we're focusing on our our paid marketing efforts are focused there Mm. but we don't we don't write off or kind of block anybody else coming in sorry you've got you know you've got a winky you're not coming in we don't do that but we do focus on our, our it's been a long while since i've heard that word <laughs> again having kids in the health really will have you having some interesting variations of words but yeah that's what that's what we're biased that's what we that's what i would i would offer it's a great word it's <laughs> word of the episode for me winky it's so funny um so, like, uh, that's interesting what you're saying, actually, because sometimes you might not know what your niche is until you've actually mm-hmm. started in business. And I actually have mm-hmm. spoken to a couple of clients of mine who um, wanted to, desperately trying to find one because they felt they should have one. Mm-hmm. But it's only been after a period of time, six, you know, six months plus, where they've suddenly thought, actually, now I get it. This is where I'm naturally fitting mm-hmm. and this is where my niche is now. But what would you say to people who don't know um, what their niche is to start off with and they're trying to find one. Is there such a way to identify that I think this, or not? I think the answer to this question is going to differ based on where they are in the business cycle as, as a business owner. Are you at the beginning and you haven't been serving anyone at all? That's going to be a little bit trickier. But if you have been serving people, then just look at the data. Who is responding most to your messaging? Who's getting the most out of, them, out of your, your products and services? And then go and serve them, focus your energy on those. At the end of the day, the Pareto principle um, lets us know that 20% of our effort is where 80% of our results, generally speaking, are coming from. So look for that 20 and dive deeper into that 20%. You'll actually see exponential results. You'll also get more data that you can use to refine things a bit more and go and find your niche. If you haven't been doing anything at all, then you can look for some general data around the kinds of people, perhaps from competitors or from compatible markets, that are served by your products and services and go and do some experimentation, some investigation into serving them and seeing what happens. And I guess as well, one of the other aspects could be looking at, especially if you've been business in business for a little while and you, you might be more of a generalist within your field, mm-hmm. then you just focus down on the things that you enjoy doing the most out of those things mm-hmm. or the, the services that you enjoy uh, advising on the most or whatever, mm-hmm. then that might naturally sort of become your niche. Exactly. Um, I would hazard some caution around 
just because you enjoy it doesn't mean you're going to make any money out of it. A good point. But at the same time, if you really don't enjoy it, then should you be trying to make any money out of it? Yeah. So I think there's a balance between the two. Um, but yes, definitely following your joy is a great advice. As long as there is some discernment that's applied to, because, you know, joy doesn't pay the bills. But at the same time, if you're sacrificing your joy to pay the bills, then is it really worth it? I think we've kind of established now by having this conversation so far that actually it's not as important to have a niche as you might think or as people might tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this, this, let's press on with this and drill down and ask a few more questions because uh, if people think that they, yeah, or if people already have a niche, is it okay to have more than one perhaps? Maybe. What I actually found was really uh, effective uh, in my business was looking at how different things that we offer meet different people at a different place. So for example, someone coming in to go and do, come and do one of our, you know, our higher price investment programs, that's going to be a different kind of person to someone who's going to come and do one of our $20 online courses. It's a completely different group. There'll be some common threads, but there's a different group. If someone does have more variety of products and services, you may find some of your products and services are serving specific groups, areas, industries, or niches that others are not. So which one of them is giving you the biggest bang for your buck or the biggest return on investment? Dive into that deeper, get that exponential growth and return on investment, and then use that to invest in the other areas of your business. So do you think um, a niche could be a particular skill that somebody has, or is it more geared around the service that they offer, um, or could it potentially be both? I think it's really the, the people who are receiving that skill or that service. So it's the audience. For me, that's where what the niche really is, the, 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 the personal group of people that it's, it's being provided to or being used to serve. Okay, as, uh, could you give us an example of maybe some, uh, is there such a thing as a good niche? I don't know. <laughs> so, I think a, a, good, a good niche is one that actually is effective in creating a space for you to actually have a successful business. You may have a niche that's got no money to invest in you. <laughs> so is that really an effective niche? Probably not. So probably not a good niche. If you want to help people, aren't you going to be better positioned to help more people if you've got a successful business that you can take money from and go and help people? Versus you're not even able to pay your bills and put food in your kids' mouths because you're struggling to go and put food in other people's mouths. I think you need to be in service to be of service. And you can always give more from a full cup that's overflowing than an empty cup that's sort of dry and cracking. Something that someone said to me um, quite a while ago when I was in my former career, so I'm not doing what I'm doing now, um, because I kind of accidentally started carving out a niche for myself. I didn't even realize I was doing it at the time. Someone came up to me and said they didn't actually call it a niche. They just said they called me the guy who was famous for doing what I did. Mm -hmm. I guess there might be an advantage to becoming well known in your territory or in your market for doing something really, really well. And that might be a bit different to niching, don't you think? For me, the niching is who are you doing that thing very well for or who is the audience of that thing you do very well um who is the audience that you do that thing very well for it goes back to the audience again isn't it i think it's it's, it's always listening to actually your audience and what they look what problem they have and how you solve that and how you come up with a solution isn't it and therefore indirectly you'll find your niche so um what about uh i know that previously when i've spoken to people they've been fearful of having a niche because maybe people feel like they're having to turn people away because it doesn't fit into that small um, idealistic client, if you like. Um, How do you learn to turn away work outside your niche? Do you think that's something that is a good habit to have or would you encourage people to not do that? 
it's could be quite difficult, I would have thought, for a lot of people to turn away people. I don't think it's necessary to turn people away. I think what the niche is, is where am I spending my time, energy and money investing in going to get my clients? If people outside of that come in and I'm able to serve them, then I serve them. But I don't divert my energy, time and resources to going out to go and deal with people that fall outside of that. So let's say, for example, my niche is um, men between the age of 20 and 25 that are into personal development and are business owners. If a man that's 35 comes in or a woman that's 19 comes in and asks for me to help them and I can help them, I help them. But in terms of the time and energy I spend going out to go and acquire customers, I invest that solely in men between 20 and 25 who are into personal development and own businesses. I think that's the difference between the the, the, the two scenarios. Okay, so let's wrap up. This, is a, this has been a really interesting one because I kind of, we've got the answers, but then weren't the answers I was expecting and it's kind of made me think slightly differently about the whole topic. Um, and actually... Uh, finding the right audience is perhaps more important than finding the right niche, perhaps. I think the niche is a specific pocket of that audience that you're going to put time and energy into actually acquiring customers from. So let's wrap up. Before we go into that, don't forget, we've got these important questions coming up, down in a second. I hope you're ready. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Like a fanfare. Uh, So let's let's wrap up with maybe a little bit of a sum up here um, about Mm. your thoughts on whether... Uh, a niche is important and it and uh, if it's as we've established it's perhaps not quite so important so what things are good to focus mm-hmm. on to make you more effective mm-hmm. so i think uh, i mean going down the rabbit hole on this i think finding your niche is a physical action a physical action is only as important as the belief systems mindset and emotional state that goes before all that so if you've got a perfect niche, but you've got a limited belief system of you've got a, a distraught or traumatized emotional state around having success or even having money, then it's not going to be that useful. But as part of an overall strategy, it's going to be really effective. But someone who's got a really expanded belief system, really got a good emotional relationship to money and business, probably won't even need to have a specific niche because they may find that clients come to them easily anyway. So it depends where it sits in the whole landscape, I think. But there is power behind having a niche, but not so much that it becomes the be all and end all and stops you just going out there and serving people. Basically, don't beat yourself up over having a niche because you might not need one. Exactly. It's really opened my mind up, actually, to this topic. Um, You've come up with answers that I wasn't expecting, but um, all for the best, to be honest. And it's been really insightful. So... Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Dan. Um, so we, as we come to the end, uh, we like to ask some questions which are completely unrelated to business. <laughs> oh, you're <laughs> laughing already. <laughs> that sounded like a bit of a nervous I, laugh. I, I'm <laughs> trying to work out whether it's a nervous laugh or not. Um, and these questions are inspired by a US TV show inside the actor's studio. Um, mm-hmm. So your first question is, what is your favourite smell? So the thing is, I've obviously listened to a few of the episodes and had the prep. I've got Asperger's. I don't have any favourite things. So. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I have no favourite things. Guess it. Rethink. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. So there, I've got, there, are I've got, some, there are some non-favourite <laughs> questions here, so we're okay. So I've got things that I lean towards at different times, but like, you know, a nice plate of food, definitely got a favourite smell. I love the smell of my baby. Yeah. I love to smell him. I sniff, I sniff him. So I would say probably sniffing Ethan, especially when he was like a baby, baby, baby. He's getting a bit bigger now. And yeah, the smells change as they get older, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they definitely do. Now he's learned to wave back at people. So it's like, oh, he's growing. He, he waves back. Aww. But when he was like a baby, baby, I'd just go and sniff him for ages. Yeah. So I'll put, 
one month old Ethan down for favourites, Mel. Yeah, I think that we can put that on the on the list. Do we go with favourite biscuit or not, Dan? What do you reckon? Have you got an opinion? I have. Mm. It's a Jacob's cream crack Jacob's cream cracker with peanut butter on it because I can't Ooh. find them anywhere in Mexico. I can't find them. I haven't found them anywhere. Oh, that sounds there lovely. are so many things. Is there an equivalent that perhaps isn't quite so good? I haven't found one. Now, Claire, sorry, I've got to have a little quick quick conversation with Claire. A second, do we allow yeah. a cream cracker under the category biscuit? Or is it a cracker? Oh. I mean, I know we have the whole Jaffa cake thing, but I mean, that we've firmly established oh. that's a cake, but what's a cream oh, cracker? Serious question. Sorry, Dan, oh. don't laugh. Serious question. Well, <laughs> I think we could because... They are on the same aisle. You oh, find right. crackers mm. very often down the biscuit aisle, so that is my logic. I'm going to let it in, Dan, but, you know, against my better judgment. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I've just, I've, just had a, I've just had a thought. There's another particular biscuit oh, that we go. definitely you're not going to be able to say no to this one. Scottish shortbread. Oh, also, wow. haven't had any for about three and a half years. My Not mouth's really. watering. <laughs> yeah, little, yeah. Either one have been missing from my life. For oh, some you can time you now. can so and, uh, have that. I love it. But you're talking about the little finger shortbread, or, or the or the ones that come in the tin, which are like around, and you have to break them off. Either, either one, either one have been missing from my life for some time now. Uh, if you could do any other profession apart from the one you do now. Anything, what would it be? That's a tough one because I, I really love what I do. I really, really, really love what I do. Mm, I'd be an inventor. I did want to be like a crazy scientist when I was a kid. Did you invent stuff as a kid? I had all these crazy ideas and I would like make designs and, and I was sure the science existed, even if it didn't or it would exist at some point. When I watched Back to the Future 2, I had a definite idea of how I could make the hoverboard work. Oh, now we're talking. Now we're talking a decent <laughs> film. Dan, you've... You've hit right. You've, you're right, hitting my buttons now, Daniel. Oh gosh, don't get Paul started on that. It's film, a London thing. Sake. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I would be a crazy, a mad scientist making crazy inventions. So, if you could go back in time, Dan, what would you say to your ten-year-old self? You've got Asperger's, mate. Don't worry. How old were you when you you were diagnosed? Then twenty-seven. Wow. Oh, really? That's quite late, isn't it? Yeah, very late. So I spent my entire life on the autistic spectrum, not knowing that that's what made me special. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's a, so that's a really great answer because I guess as a 10-year-old, you didn't know what was going on. Nope. So not really having friends and having, you know, awkward social situations. I had crippling anxiety and social anxiety for most of my life. Really bad insomnia. Um, and it all came down to basically being a neurodiverse person in a neurotypical world and not knowing it. Wow. Dan, it's been an absolute pleasure you. having you um, on our little podcast for the last couple of weeks and uh, talking about some uh, really important subjects and getting a little bit deep, but we don't mind that. Indeed. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. the opportunity to hang out. So if anyone wants to come and get in touch with you or find out more about what you do uh, and uh, yeah, just come and have a nice deep chat with you about uh, Back to the Future, <laughs> inventing, or, or any of the other subjects we've covered, winkies. No, not Back to the Future again. You're obsessed with So where can people find you? Where do you hang out? It's going to be dreamwithdan.com. You can find all my social media handles and about my podcasts and books and when I'm doing events and stuff like that, dreamwithdan.com, best place to find everything about me. This is the Big Little Business Show, the podcast with bigger tips for small business. See, I was very impressed, Claire, that you did a really good job of stifling your giggles when Dan used the winky word. Why did you have to say that? Because you've set me off again now. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah, I know I did. I thought I was really laughing. Actually, I had tears running down my face, but I had to stifle it because I felt very childish all of a sudden. Definitely word of the podcast. That's word of the episode right there. Yeah, but I'm I'm sure there was... Right, I'm going to have to say it. I'm sure there was a cake or a biscuit called a Winky. I don't know. I never heard of that. What sort of... What what was it? Let's look it up. Is it like a marshmallow biscuit? Like in two wafers or something? I can't believe I'm about to Google Winky. Winky, of course, that's what you're going to have come up. Let me look up... Oh, no, there's a Twinkie. Oh, Twinkie. That's what I mean. It's a Twinkie. Oh, Oh, yeah. You mean the Twinkies? Yeah, the American things that have absolutely no food products in them whatsoever. No, just basically made of air and sugar. Pretty much, yeah. A Twinkie, that's right. That's what I meant. Not a Winkie. Don't, don't, go, don't go into a sweet shop and ask for a winky. Okay, that's it. That was bugging me. I'm glad we got that, that resolved. Thank you. Good. Well, anyway, look, let's get serious. That was a really interesting topic we covered there and an important one because I know a lot of people, and I know you've spoken to people in your sort of realm in coaching that really get bogged down on that niche word and really feel like they need to have one before they've even started running a business. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, as business owners, we can feel very uncomfortable when we're trying things that are different and new. But also at the same time, I feel that if a certain word or doing something has a real hindrance and puts those brakes on so you can't move forward, then that can be really damaging. And I have to say that that word... Um, Niche is very much up there. Oh, I should, going back do you to know what? I nearly again. said something else. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that word niche, it comes up so much and it's almost like um, that tumbleweed moment, you know, when we talk about niche and generally, more often than not, people then sort of shy away from it. Um, but yeah, it's a very big topic and uh, very interesting. And can yeah. I just announce that if you come on this podcast... And we get to the biscuit question. You answer the question with the name of a biscuit. Jaffa cake, not a biscuit. Oh. Cream cracker, not a biscuit. I, I still think that a cream cracker can be called a biscuit because it's down the biscuit aisle. And surely if you have go to a supermarket and you see the aisle for biscuits and the crackers in there, does that not define it as a biscuit? No, it's, co- it's called a cream cracker. But you don't have a cracker aisle, do you? It's not, but it's, well, maybe you should. <laughs> Um, it's not called a cream biscuit. We're going to have to beg to differ before we have our first round. Okay. Is it right beat for a biscuit? Yeah. Oh, oh gosh. It's, it's in the same mm. place. It's, it's almost it's almost adjacent to the cream crackers. No, it's a rye biscuit. It actually, I'm sure, has biscuit on the wrapper. Really? No, I've just made it up because I thought it sounded really good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, look, look, biscuits aside, what are we doing next week? So next week, we have something very special coming up. We're going to be doing an episode which is all about what is the future for business networking and we're not just having one guest on we actually are having a number of guests on who are actually um, very successful within the industry of networking and they're going to be joining us for an open discussion yeah that's a good way of doing it isn't it because if you if you're in a networking meeting then you're not just with one person you're with a whole bunch of people so mm. let's have a whole bunch of people on talking about the future of networking because uh, i don't know because obviously you run a networking business claire and it changed dramatically for you overnight when covid hit uh, at the beginning of last year mm, uh, just a bit yeah and you're not the only one that has been in that boat uh, i should imagine anyone who runs a networking business has had the same sort of same sort of problem and got over it in one way or another but now we've got used to doing networking virtually does that mean that's a big change for networking is everyone happy to go back into the same room and start 
shaking hands? How does it work? Yeah, exactly. And that's why I felt it would be good to have more than one person on because that is the essence of networking. But also, you know, business networking is about choice. And there's a lot of discussions that have gone on over the last 18 months, especially about whether, you know, online is here to stay, whether face-to-face is, you know, preferential over online working um but i think it's important that we have options and that people are aware of exactly what is out there and how they can network and then they can make the right decision for them so that's next week on the podcast and thank you very much to dan for joining us for the second week this week talking about niching if you want to carry on that conversation or mention anything about any of the other episodes we've done up to this point you can connect with us on instagram at big little business show and on facebook too and on linkedin And we're out of here and say goodbye, Claire. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Big Little Business Show with Paul Mumford and Claire Horsley. You can subscribe to get the latest episodes via iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and everywhere you find your favourite podcasts. Come and find us at biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk and we're on Facebook too. Just search for Big Little Business Show. Look, just hang on, stop the press here. Go on. I've just Googled, is cream cracker a biscuit? Oh my gosh, that's a bit worrying. (laughs) And it says here, a cream cracker is a flat, dry, crunchy biscuit. (gasps) Yes, that's why they're down the biscuit aisle. (laughs) That's what I was saying. (laughs) Dan, we'll let you have it. It's a biscuit. That's it. I'm glad we got that one sourced out. That would have bugged me for the rest of the day.